If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 in the precious Word of God. And we're going to zero in right on our text this morning. We're going to read the whole passage, but if you will, once you get there, I want to draw your attention to verse number 9 and following. Luke chapter 11. And the Bible says, beginning in verse number 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given him. It be given you, seek, and ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Notice it says in verse number 11, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Notice what Jesus says. He says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the beautiful day that you have made. And certainly we understand that it's raining out and we may desire to see the sun shining. But God, we give you the praise and the honor because we understand that you are in control. We understand that you give all good gifts, and every perfect gift cometh down from heaven. Father, I pray that you would open up the ears of understanding, the eyes of understanding, open up our hearts today that your word might fall upon the good soil. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room or somebody listening online that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, that God, you might use this message from your word to prick their hearts, and God, that they might trust Christ as their Savior. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my Redeemer. God, we give you the praise for what you'll do over the next few moments of time. And we pray this in all things in the most powerful and precious name of our Lord and Savior. And for his sake we pray. Amen. Last week we began a new series entitled Promises, and we began, I told you last week that I could talk to you about prayer, I could talk to you about peace, I could talk to you about security, but last week we began by looking at the evidence that clearly concludes, in fact we actually looked at it from a secular standpoint, that the evidence concludes that the Word of God can be trusted. And so we had to establish that first before I could talk to you about anything else. And so today we continue on. But I want to remind you what we said because Merriam-Webster tells us that a promise, if you'll notice the screen, it says a promise is a declaration. It's a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified. Notice it says a promise that is legally binding. It's a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the, perf the performance or forbearance of that specified act. In other words, what I said to you last week is that if somebody makes a promise to you, you or I, we actually have a right to expect that what somebody says is going to happen, right? And we talked about last week, the promises are great if they're kept. But if they're not kept... They can be horrible. They can be heartbreaking. And so we talked about that last week. This morning I want us to continue by looking at another promise from God's Word. And that's the promise of prayer. I love the song that you guys sang about prayer. What an awesome opportunity that we have to pray for one another. 
And today I understand it's Mother's Day and so we celebrate moms, right? We come to celebrate moms today. But you know, without God, we wouldn't be celebrating moms, right? God is not only the creator of life, he is the creator of family. In fact, David Overton in his book, uh, talking about the creation of mankind, he reminded us, you remember David Overton used to worship here before he went home to be with the Lord. And he used to say that God not only created man when he created man and woman, he created family. You see, moms don't happen outside of the purview of God. And so today we celebrate moms. And I know that it's the moms in my life. The moms in my life spent a lot of time teaching me and guiding me. But I also know that the moms in my life, and I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're above this, but I know the moms in my life spent a lot of time praying for me. That I wouldn't screw it up, right? When I was a little kid, oh, I'm sure they probably prayed a time and time again that I would walk the straight and narrow. And so, Moms, listen, I want to encourage you. You can teach your kids all that you want them to know in this life. But I want to tell you, you have a greater opportunity when you get on your hands and your knees and you pray for your kids. Oh, this is so incredibly important. And, and guys, dads, it's not just a message for moms. Oh, how our young people need their dads to pray for them. We need to pray earnestly. We need to pray regularly and passionately. In fact, I would tell you that nothing moves the heart of God like the prayers of his people. I've often said from this pulpit and even in just conversation, we don't pray because we don't pray. Think about it for a second. We don't pray because we don't pray. At the end of the service, we don't come and pray at the altar because we don't come and pray at the altar. On Monday mornings, we don't get up and pray because we don't get up and pray. At the end of the night, sometimes we don't pray because we don't pray at the end of the night. See, you have to make prayer a part of your life. And the reason I say we don't pray because we don't pray is because if I started praying, I have to begin by asking God to forgive me for not praying. See, prayer is so incredibly important. When we look at Scripture and we think about moms, I think about Hannah. She prayed before she was given a child. She prayed after she was given a child. Mary prayed and rejoiced. Timothy's mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, there's no doubt in my military mind that they prayed. In fact, if you notice the screen in Jeremiah 33.3, the Lord actually instructs Jeremiah to pray. He says these words, he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In our text this morning, I began in verse number 9, but if you'll look at verse number 1, of Luke chapter 11, you'll see right away with me that Jesus prayed. In verse number 1 it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place. In fact, if you were to take a trip through the gospel of Luke, you would find that in Luke chapter 3, Jesus prayed at his baptism. In Luke chapter 5, he prayed during his temptation in the wilderness. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 4 as well. In Luke chapter 6, the Bible says that Jesus, he actually prayed all night. In Luke chapter 9, he went up into a mountain and prayed. Jesus was about praying and he prayed to his father. He understood without his father that he could do nothing. In fact, look back at verse number 1. It says, and as he was praying, it says, he prayed in a certain place. Do you have a certain place where you go to pray? When you feel like, I have no, way to, I have no other place to turn. Do you have that certain place? Jesus tells us to go into our closet and pray. 
And, but he also says that when we go into our closet and pray, when we come out of that closet, we ought to come out believing that we're going to receive what we've prayed for. Oh, there's a time and a place that we ought to be praying. It's so incredibly important. In our text here in Luke chapter 11, if you were to work your way through it, verses 2 through 4, actually Jesus gives us a model of prayer. This is the same model that he really gives us over in Matthew chapter 6. In verses 2, he reminds us, look, he reminds us to thank our Heavenly Father. He reminds us to praise our Father. He asks us to, he, he says that we ought to pray that his kingdom would come. If you look at verse number 3, the Bible tells us that Jesus says, it's okay to ask for provision. It's okay to ask Jesus to supply your daily bread because I got news for you, without him, it won't be supplied. The arm of the flesh will fail you. So Jesus actually says it's okay to ask God for your daily provision, for your food, for the things that you need. By the way, there's a difference between necessities, wants, wants needs, and desires, right? We get those confused many times. I'm no different. Times I ride down the road, I say, I think I want that. Do I need it? Probably not, right? Wants, needs, and desires, it's a different type of prayer. In verse number four, the Bible encourages us. Notice it says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Jesus encourages us to seek forgiveness, not only for ourselves individually, but corporately. He encourages us to ask for deliverance. When he's talking about asking for deliverance, he's, asked, he's saying, hey, listen, it's okay to ask for deliverance from temptation and from the devil because one thing I know, the Bible tells me the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so it's okay to ask God to deliver us from that. In verse number 5 and 6, you have the illustration of a friend who goes to his friend's house at night and the friend's asleep and and the illustration here that Jesus is making is that in our prayers, we should be persistent. We should endure. We should uh, uh, rise and do what we ought to do when our friends come and uh, ask us. In verse number 7 and 8, look here. It illustrates the friend's responses. as And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse number 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend. Notice, because he is his friend. Oh, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Listen, there's an opportunity that we have, no matter what time of night it is, right? No matter what time of morning it is. When our friends, when our family pray that we ought to rise and encourage them through what we find in God's word. But really, I want to draw your attention to verse number 9 and following this morning. And I think what we have this morning on Mother's Day is that our Lord gives us a few things. Notice in verse number 9 and 10, he gives us an invitation to pray. And I would just say, not only does he give us an invitation to pray, he actually instructs us to pray. But notice verse number 9, it says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, notice, receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Someone has said it this way. Someone said, ask is the invitation to prayer. Seek is the invitation to pursue God and his will. And knock is the invitation to come into God's presence. Oh, have you asked lately? A lot of people tell me, Pastor, I've got this problem. When was the last time you took that problem to the throne of God's grace and mercy? The Bible says where we can find help in our time of need. 
You can ask me all you want, but the name on my nameplate still says Greg, not God. I can do what Greg can do, but God can do much more when we take it to his throne. Oh, listen, verse number 9 tells us that this is not to be an option. Prayer is not an option that we would take up every once in a while. It's something that we ought to do and make it a habit of doing. I was thinking uh, the earlier this week, I was thinking about David. In Psalm 34, in verse number 4, David declares this. He says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. In fact, if you go throughout Scripture, you see Nehemiah prayed, Job prayed, Jeremiah prayed, Daniel prayed, David prayed, Peter prayed, Paul prayed. Everyone's praying in Scripture. And so, I'm not that bright. But what that tells me is that if everybody in Scripture is praying, then I guess I ought to be praying too. You know, Jesus' half-brother James, you know, he, he had a nickname. You know what his nickname was? Camel Knees. His nickname was Camel Knees. They said that James got this nickname Camel Knees because he spent so much time in prayer. Oh, it's incredibly important that we buy up that opportunity, that invitation to pray, if you please. It's our lifeline. It's our lifeline to our Heavenly Father. In fact, if you look at verse number 9 and 10, it also indicates to us when it says pray, it says ask, seek, and knock. The indication is that these ought to be continuous. We should be asking. We should be knocking. We should be seeking over and over and over again. I like what pastor and teacher Dan Hayes said. He said, all I know is that when I pray, coincidences happened, and when I don't pray, they don't happen. When I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't pray, they don't happen. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. In Luke 18, Jesus, it says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul told the church at Coloss, in Colossians 4, 2, to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Guys, moms, grandma. I told Chip earlier, Francis, I told Chip, happy Mother's Day, because God gave him a great one. God gave him a great mom. I told Caleb the same thing. Where's Tracy? I gave you props, Tracy. I told Caleb, happy Mother's Day. These guys are looking at me like, is he crazy? I'm not a mother. I said, no, happy Mother's Day to you, because God blessed you with a beautiful, a great mom. Oh, man, we ought to be so thankful for our moms, and we ought to... Be men and women who desire to honor the Lord with our prayers. Listen, he wants and expects to hear from us. In fact, I was reading this quote. It says, referring to those in the local New Testament church, listen to what it says. It says, no one is greater than his or her prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are staying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. <laughs> Many singers, but few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Oh, we must be men and women of prayer. Jesus, our Lord, gives us the invitation to pray, but notice also in verse number 10, he gives us incentive. You say, does Jesus really have to incentivize prayer? The answer is no. He doesn't have to incentivize anything. 
He is God of very God. And yet what's really cool is he does it. Look at verse number 10. Look, it's right here. It says, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Listen, we are invited and instructed to pray. And then in verse number 10, Jesus gives us a promise. You want a promise this morning? He says, if you ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, he says, you're going to find. He says, if you knock, it's going to be opened. Oh, listen, Proverbs 8, 17. The Bible says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. I tell people every day, people come to me and have all kind of problems, and I say, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to put a little something good in every day. Sometimes people will look at me and say, what do you mean? I say, put a little something good in. The world's going to put a lot of bad in. Why don't you put a little good in, right? And let it make its way down to the heart because we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we need to be putting a little good in each and every day. And I say, you know what? We ought to begin. We ought to begin with prayer. Oh, listen, we need to be aware of some of the hindrances to prayer. You know what they are. What hinders us from praying? I said at the beginning, we don't pray because we don't pray. Some of the hindrances are unconfessed sin. Sometimes we don't pray because we lack faith. I don't believe that Jesus, I don't believe that God will answer my prayer, so I'm not going to waste his time or waste my time. Oh, listen, we lack faith. We have to exercise faith when we pray. What about disobedience, unforgiveness? I found a lot of times that if I'm angry with somebody and I've not exercised uh, forgiveness in my heart, I don't pray. Anybody been there, done that? It's like I'm holding a little bit of a grudge. You say, well, I never hold grudges. Right. We're all above that, right? We've never gotten angry and gone to bed without taking care of that puppy. You know, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. We've never, we've never been there, done that. And so what I know is that sometimes when we fail to offer forgiveness, you know, we're, we're all about getting forgiveness this way. Sometimes we're very slow to offer it this way. And when we fail to offer it this way, a lot of times what we do is that stops, that stifles our prayer life. Listen, unforgiveness, wrong motives, idols in our own lives, disregard for others, disregard for God. We have to be aware of these hindrances to prayer. But see, Jesus offers us an incentive. He says, if you ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, you're going to find. And if you knock, it's going to be open to you. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, the Bible talks about that when we pray, we can move mountains. I was thinking about this in the shower. This is crazy. You say, do you really think about this in the shower? You, you have no idea. You have no idea. The craziest things come into my head at all hours of the night. Sometimes when I lay down, I wake up, right? I was thinking about this, the passage that says that we can, with our prayers, the faith if we have the faith of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. But here's what I want to encourage us all, because I had to remind myself of this yesterday. Sometimes the mountains that need to be moved are looking right back at us in the mirror. The mountain that needs to be moved sometimes isn't that health issue that we're facing. Sometimes the mountain that needs to be moved is not the financial struggle. Sometimes the mountain that needs to be moved is my attitude. And so when we pray, if we have the faith of a little mustard seed and we're asking God to move a mountain, sometimes don't be surprised if the answer isn't no. 
You ever, you ever ask God for something and the answer came back a resounding no? And you're like, well, that didn't work. I asked and he did not give me what I wanted. That's because his thoughts, his ways are much higher than my thoughts and my ways. He has a way of doing business that is much higher than mine. See, the ways of a man lead to death, right? There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. See, and so I have to be very careful when I pray to understand that sometimes God says no. E.M. Bounds, a man who's been regarded as an authority on the effectiveness of prayer, he said this. He said, nothing will be done without prayer for the simple reason that it leaves God out of the account. Nothing's going to be done outside of prayer. You have a mountain that needs to be moved. You better get on your knees and pray. Moms, you got a wayward child. You need to get on your knees and pray. You can discipline all you want. You can make them stand in the corner all you want. You can get out the switch. I know they don't do that anymore in 2019, but when I was a little kid, guess what? That was a real thing. My dad had a weapon strapped around his waist. I refer to it as the weapon of mass instruction. And my dad had a cruel sense of humor. He went to New Mexico and bought five more of them for my brothers and I. And he had our names embossed on them. Oh, listen. The Lord gives us incentive to pray. Persistence in prayer is, proves our, our seriousness. And prayer demonstrates not only how much we love God, but I believe prayer demonstrates how much we need Him. But prayer also demonstrates how much I trust God. You see, because when I pray, that's me telling God, Lord, I understand I can do nothing. And so, Lord, I need you to intervene in this situation. You gave me an incentive. You said that if I ask, I'm going to receive. You said that if I seek, I'm going to find. And you said if I keep on knocking, it's going to be open. So, Lord, I need you to open up the window of opportunity. I need you to do whatever you need to do to work in my life. Oh, we need to be men and women of prayer. I think about all the other incentives, and we don't have time to really delve into all of these. But think about the other incentives that we have when we pray. Prayer cultivates our relationship with Jesus. I don't believe that we ever get any closer to God than we, when we get real honest with him. When was the last time you got real honest with God? When was the last time you got real honest and said, Lord, I'm scared to death. I want to encourage you. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. But we got we to gotta cultivate that relationship. If I cease to cultivate the relationship with the love of my life, my wife, the mother of my children, if I cease to cultivate that relationship, it's going to end badly. And yet, don't you think the same applies with our relationship with God? Oh, we need to be men and women of prayer. It cultivates our relationship with Jesus. Ian Bounds says if we're too busy, too busy to pray, then we'll be too busy to live a holy life. Don't think that you'll be able to live a holy life as he is holy without prayer. Prayer keeps us from temptation. I think about Jesus. He knew 
after he has this meal with his disciples in the upper room, he goes out in the Mount of Olives in Luke chapter 22. He knows that his disciples are going to be entering into a time of temptation. He knows that the soldiers are coming. He knows what's coming around the corner. And you remember what he tells his disciples in verse number 39. It tells us he goes out in the Mount of Olives. And then in verse number 40 of Luke 22, he tells his disciples, he says, pray. Look at the last words there. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. Oh, prayer keeps us from temptation. Prayer helps us determine the will of God. The old Methodist preacher from years ago, John Wesley, said it this way when he said, I find that the chief purpose of prayer in seeking God's will is that prayer gets my will into an unbiased state. Once my will is unprejudiced about the matter, I find that God suggests reasons to my mind why I should or should not pursue a course of action. Oh, that's good. Oh, it helps us to determine the will of God. See, our will, not our emotions, needs to be yielded to his will. See, isn't that what Jesus prayed when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh, he asked his father to take that cup of wrath. He said, would you, would you remove that cup of wrath? He knew what it was. He knew what was coming his way. And he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh, we have to get our will out of the way and his will. Prayer is how things get done, quite frankly. We get more done by prayer than we get done all day. In Matthew 21, 22, the Bible says, In all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. I like what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 12 and following. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me and the works that I shall do, he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that, I, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And notice he says these words, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, there's power in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, the wonderful power, the beautiful name of Jesus. Oh, we need to take it to the throne of God's grace. Prayer is the way that greater works will be done. Not because I'm great, but because he's great. Nothing in and of myself gets the work done, but through prayer, he can do all things. You remember that song we used to sing years ago? Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is he. You remember that song? Oh, he's great, and he's mighty, and he's greatly to be praised. Oh, we should be taking everything to the throne of God in prayer. Oh, by the way, prayer is a part of our defense system. I got news for you. The sign out front says Battlefield Baptist Church. There's not a battle raging in here. But I got news for you. You walk out these doors. See, I'm going to love you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to try and lift you up. I'm going to, hey, listen, I, I tell people all the time, love people enough to be willing to tell them the truth. I don't want to beat anybody down. I want to lift people up. But I guarantee you, once you hit 29, you're going to get all kind of looks. And you might get some expressions, too. Hand gestures. This world is not seeking to encourage you in your walk of faith. We're in a battle. But remember, we're not in a battle against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 says that we're in a battle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Oh yes, we're on the battlefield for our Lord. You remember we used to sing that to go to camp? I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Oh, yes, we are. And part of our armament, 
part of our defense system is prayer. That's why the Apostle Paul, after he told us to put on the whole armor of God, in verse number 18, he says this. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. But notice what he says, in the Spirit. Oh, we need to take it to the throne of God's grace. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and following, remind us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Thirdly, I want to tell you that not only the Lord gives us an invitation and incentive to pray, but he gives us the illustration of an earthly father in our text, verse number 11 and 12. He's basically making the illustration that what type of earthly father being evil, which we are evil, we're, we're sinful man, what kind of earthly father would give something that the child doesn't ask? And so he compares it to his heavenly father. But I want you to know that when I look in Scripture, I find that our God is kind. He's kind. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, the Bible reminds us that He's a kind God. He will not forget us. The Bible tells us He will never leave us nor forsake us. I was thinking about a, it's actually kind of an ironic passage of Scripture. Show Isaiah 49, 15. Since we're here on Mother's Day, in Isaiah 49, 15, there's a question that's asked and answered. But at the very end of this verse, we see something pretty incredible from our God. It says these words. It says, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? And he says, Yay. They may forget. But notice what it says. God says, Yet I will not forget thee. Oh, he will never forget us, because he is good and he is kind. Listen, when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, oh, that's all that we need. Listen, we can take it to the throne of God's grace and receive. We can find and it can be opened up to us. The last thing I want you to see as I close is that our Lord in verse number 13, look at verse number 13. Because our Lord gives us the response of our Heavenly Father. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You see, Jesus reminds us that our Heavenly Father is good. He's the one who sends all good gifts, all perfect gifts, as James tells us in James 1.17. All good gifts come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Oh, listen, Ephesians 3, in verse 20, the Apostle Paul ends his second prayer by saying, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to according to the power that worketh in us. Listen, our God is able. Do you, hold on a second. Our God is able. Anybody facing a physical challenge right now in their life? Anybody? I know Miss Skinner is. Anybody facing a physical challenge, going through it right now? Say it out loud. Our God is able. I tell people all the time, I said this a few months ago. Listen, we don't disregard a physician's diagnosis, but we ought to be people that take it to the great physician in prayer. Oh, you, you see, I'm not sure we believe that. That's why we don't ask. It goes all the way back. If you don't believe that the great physician can intervene, then you're not going to ask. If you're facing financial ruin and you don't believe that, that the great financier will be able to take care of your financial problems, you're not going to ask. See, we have to be men and women who believe in the power of prayer. I like what the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5. 
in verse number 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And in verse number 15, it continues on by saying, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have. What does it say? The petitions that we desired of him. Oh, those are promises from God's word about prayer. Edwin Keith said this, he said, prayer is exhaling the spirit of man and inhaling the spirit of God. Exhaling the spirit of man, saying, I can't do it, but God, I know you can. I can't, I can't handle this situation, but God, I'm going to bring it to you, and I know that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask. Folks, I can assure you that when we pray, things happen. If you have your Bible, turn with me and I close with this passage in 2 Chronicles. Turn over to 2 Chronicles in chapter 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I want to read to you here. You see, much of the world will never agree with, will never appreciate, will never applaud the exercise of my faith or your faith in God. They'll never appreciate the fact that our God not only hears, but our God actually answers prayer. In fact, if you turn on the TV, you'll notice that the world is mocking people who pray now. In fact, you don't even have to turn on TV. You can see it on social media. If you pray, see the world thinks you're a lunatic. But the Bible says that we ought to pray. And so we either believe, we either believe what God says or we believe what the world says. See, we can't be double-minded about this thing. But notice what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Look at verse number 40. In verse number 40. And it says, Now my God, now my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be opened, and let thy ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Verse 41, Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into the resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David thy servant. And now when Solomon had made an end of praying, notice what happens. Notice when he finishes praying, it says the fire the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, notice what they said, for he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Notice verse 4. Here's, after they said he's good and his mercy endures, look what they did in verse 4. Then the king, not only the people, but the king Solomon and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Folks, when we need peace, Jehovah Shalom is our peace. Anybody in need of peace today? Jehovah Shalom is our peace. When we need healing, Jehovah Rapha is the Lord who heals. When we need someone to be there, the Lord uh, Jehovah Shema is the Lord who is there. He's there all the time, by the way. 
When we need provision in our life, Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides. Oh, whatever we need, we could take it to Him in prayer. Flip over one page and look with me at verse 12. In verse number 12, I end the message. And the Bible says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. Remember the prayers offered? The king and all the people have offered sacrifices to the Lord back in verse number 4. We get eight short verses later, and we see the Lord appears to Solomon at night, and he says unto him, I have heard thy prayer. Promise, the Lord will hear your prayer, as long as you're not regarding iniquity in your heart, the psalmist says. The Lord will hear your prayer. He says, I have heard thy prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... And here's the iconic verse. He says in verse number 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, Then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. But notice number, verse number 15. See, we like to stop at verse 14. But look what verse 15 says. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. Moms, dads, grandpa, grandma, young person, I believe that our great God wants us to do the same thing today. I believe that he wants moms to pray for their kid. I believe that he wants grandma to pray for the grandkids and the children. I believe dads that he wants men to rise up and be men of prayer once again. I believe that he wants men, this isn't Father's Day, but I also believe that he wants us to rise up and to be the head of the home and to be leaders that we're called to be. Thank you for the one amen. We got a world that doesn't believe that, but God does. God is not an author of confusion. The world will confuse you. It confuses me. The Bible here tells us God says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from him. Notice the word then. He says, then I'll do something. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Oh, listen, we have to humble ourselves. We have to pray. We have to seek his face. We have to turn from our wicked ways. And you may be here this morning and you say, what does that have to do with me? I don't even know who Jesus is. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I just came because somebody told me it was Mother's Day and they were having free pancakes. I can't tell you how thankful I am you're here. I can tell you with one verse. If you're unsaved, you say, is it that simple? There's one verse that you need to hear this morning. If you're unsaved and you've never trusted Christ, I could spend hour upon hour telling you to trust Jesus Christ. Listen, he was born of a virgin, lived 33 years, never committed a sin, went to an old rugged cross, died, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and the scripture tells us that three days later he rose victoriously, conquering death, hell, and the grave. We know the gospel inwards and backwards and in whichever way. But here's the one verse you need to hold on to. If you've never trusted Christ, there's only one prayer that you need to know about. And that's the prayer that we're taught about in Romans 10, 13. 
See, I can tell you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I can tell you that God commendeth his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I can tell you all about that we've sinned and come short of his glory and that there's a wage for it. But there's one prayer that you need to know. The Bible simply says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's pretty simple. That's pretty amazing. Out of all the scripture, it boils down to one little prayer that you would say, God, I realize that I'm a sinner. I don't know everything that I need to know yet about Jesus, but I know this. I believe that he is your son. I believe that he died for my sin. And God, I'm asking, I'm asking you to do something miraculous, Jesus. I'm asking you to forgive my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life and to change me from the inside out. That's all you need to know. That's it. How simple is that? It doesn't cost you anything. And you got free pancakes. What an amazing God we serve. But if you're here this morning and you are saved. And you've been kind of quiet. Because this topic of prayer hits us right in the old gut sometimes. When the preacher stands up and reminds us that we have to pray. Remember, I've been getting gut punched all week. You need to remember what God told Jeremiah. He said, call. Notice, Jeremiah 33.3. He says, call unto me. There it is again. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You need help, sir, leading the home. Ma'am, you need help being a mom. You need help in the workplace. You need help with family members. We're dealing with, with stuff going on with extended family. But babe, the only way that we'll be able to deal with that is if we call on God. And he will answer us and show us great and mighty things which we don't even know about. It's the same for you. It's the same for each one of us. And so I ask you right now, to join me in a word of prayer. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.